Lord Jesus, I thank you for the time we've had to worship you with song. I thank you for the fun that we have had this morning. I thank you for another level basketball and how we have exercised and had fun and competed and have had the joy of victory and the sadness of defeat. Uh, teams have come together and we have had a wonderful two months of basketball and a wonderful time this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us now to see what's even more important than basketball and victories and more important than either gathering in a building. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us that now as I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. The video has shown us what we all know, that within our very soul is a desire to worship. There is a desire to serve. There is a desire to be connected to something far beyond ourselves. We know deep down that we are not simply random molecules that have been brought together, but that we have been created for a purpose. But what we need to know beyond that is how to fill that need and that desire and who can do that for us. For the creation of God, including ourselves and our minds and our souls and our spirit, we know and we reach out, but... We need someone to tell us who we need to reach to and what we need to do with our life. And that is answered in the answer to this question, who is Jesus? When Jesus was on this earth, he taught with authority, unlike any other teacher had before. Teachers before would talk about tradition. They would talk about the past and they would talk about Rabbi so-and-so said this. But Jesus would teach telling people, I say this. He also did miracles, healing those who had leprosy, healing those who couldn't walk or talk or see, healing all kinds of sickness. And everybody who came to him with a sickness, he healed them. He cast out demons out of people. He controlled the sea and the wind and the waves. He even raised the dead. Jairus and his wife had a daughter who was only 12 years old and she died. But Jesus simply spoke and rose her to life. Jesus' powerful teaching, his powerful miracles, it caused crowds to come and watch and crowds to come and see what was happening. And out of those crowds, Jesus chose 12 disciples. Out of the crowd, he also chose later 72 disciples. So there were many who were going from town to town telling the people that the kingdom of God has come, telling the people about the power of Jesus and his authority and teaching. And so there was a buzz about who this guy was. In Luke chapter 9, King Herod heard about everything that was going on. He was perplexed. Because some said that John had been raised from the dead. Some that Elijah had appeared. And others that one of the ancient prophets had risen. I beheaded John, Herod said. But who is this I hear such things about? And he wanted to see him. That was the question. Who is this guy? Who is this one? Teaching and healing and even raising the dead. Who is he? Jesus himself asked that question of his disciples. 
while he was praying in private and disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? The public opinion was that that Herod had heard. John the Baptist, Elijah, still others that one of the ancient prophets has come back. The people, the public, the, the news of the day was that maybe Jesus was John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been a preacher. And he had told people to repent of their sins and to be baptized. And he told them that one greater than me is coming after me. Referring to Jesus. John the Baptist was a powerful preacher. And he preached against King Herod and his sin. And because of that, Herod put John in prison. And then... To satisfy a guest at a party, he had John taken out of prison and had him executed. John the Baptist was dead. But some thought maybe God had raised him back to life and this is who Jesus was. Some thought maybe he was Elijah. Because Elijah had been a prophet who lived about 850 years before Jesus. And Elijah did miracles. And Elijah preached to those in power against their sin. And the Old Testament prophets said that before the day of the Lord, Elijah would come. And so some thought maybe now Elijah has come back to life and he's getting us ready for the day of the Lord. Some weren't so concerned about which prophet. Hey, just some dead guy came back to life and here he is. They were just amazed. I think Jesus was so unique. That's why they thought somebody has to have come back from the dead. Have you ever been around anyone who's been resurrected from the dead? I have, and if you have, let me know, because I want to meet this person. But Jesus must have been so different. It was the only answer they could come up with. His teaching was so different. His power was so different, I imagine. His presence was so different. His love was so different. His truth-telling was so different. Everything about him was so different. They said, this doesn't look like anybody we've ever seen ever. The only conclusion they could come to, somebody must have been resurrected from the dead, and that's why he's so special and different and unique. They just couldn't figure out which dead guy it was. Today, if you ask someone in South Hill, who was Jesus? Or you went through the United States and asked, who was Jesus? Some would say, well, he was a good teacher, just like Confucius. You can learn something from what he teaches. Or maybe he was a good man. He did some good things. If you asked a Muslim, they would tell you he was a prophet and a long line of prophets. Not as great as Muhammad, but still a prophet. Some would see Jesus as one who came to try to break down tradition and remake the Jewish religion and make it into something bigger and better. Many today would say Jesus was just a legend, like Robin Hood. You know, Robin Hood was probably a guy in England centuries ago. But stories about him got exaggerated. Stories were added to his life that didn't really happen. And he became larger than life. That is true about Robin Hood. And some people think that's true of Jesus today. Yeah, a guy who lived in Galilee, but then people made up all kinds of stories about him. And told about things he did, but he didn't really do. Unfortunately, some only hear Jesus' name when someone's cursing. They hear Jesus, they hear his title, Christ, 
and they hear it in anger and they hear it in cursing. And even worse still, you could go to many places in our own country and there are generations of people who have never heard of Jesus. They wouldn't know him from Zeus or know him from Buddha or Muhammad or, or from John or Jill down the street. I mean, they've never heard his name. They don't know anything about him. But Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Peter got it right. That was the correct answer. He got 100 on his test. He got an A+, gold star. But what does that mean? The word Messiah is a Hebrew word that means anointed one. In the Greek language, it means Christ. So Jesus' name isn't Jesus' first name and Christ's last name. That's his title. He is the anointed one. What does that mean? Well, in Jesus' day, the Jewish people of his day thought that meant the Messiah was going to come as a warrior. He was going to come with his army and he was going to destroy the Romans. The Romans were oppressing the Jews, occupied their land, stole their money, stole their places of business. He, they wanted someone to come and kick the Romans out, overthrow the government. And then they wanted him to rule as a king, to sit on a throne. Now with all the Romans and all the Gentiles out, we can have a king who gives us peace and prosperity. That's what they wanted. And they got that idea from the Old Testament because it spoke of a Messiah coming that way. Jesus then said, though, to Peter, it is necessary that the Son of Man suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. Peter had the right answer, he just didn't have the full answer. Because in his mind, as many in his day believed, the Messiah was a warrior, he was a king. But Jesus reminded Peter, hey Peter, if you look closer in the Old Testament, you will see that the Messiah also was going to suffer. He's going to die and be resurrected. So Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, I am the Savior. And that is what is most important. Jesus died on a cross and he rose again to life. And the answer to the question is Jesus is Messiah. Which means he's Savior. And that is the correct answer. And how does that answer line up with everything we saw in the video? Of that desire to live forever, that desire to have connection, that desire to have purpose. Well, let me tell you what that means. You see, he's our Savior. That means he saved us from something. But what did he save us from? Did he save us from a bad hair day? Did he save us from a, a bad life, a bad marriage? What did he save us from? If you don't know what Jesus saved you from, the fact that he's your Savior doesn't mean much. I want to tell you some bad news, but then immediately some great news. The bad news is heaven is a place for perfect people. I, I think everybody who's ever heard of heaven wants to go there. I've never heard someone say, nah, I skip it. Now, I know there's some, 
that say, yeah, I want to party with my friends in hell. Yeah, we're going to raise hell in hell. I mean, that's what they, th- you know, they think they're going to do. But most people, if they're honest, you know, they want to go to heaven. But if you put a sign over heaven's gate, it would say perfect people only. Well, that's a bummer. As <laughs> none of us are perfect. No one is. And that's why the Bible tells us, in case you didn't know that, that all of us are sinners. That simply means we have disobeyed God. God is the one who made everything. He's the one who gets to set the rules. And he tells us what's right and what's wrong. When we don't do what we're supposed to do, or we do what we're not supposed to do, that's disobeying God, that's sin. And all of us are that. Every single human that's ever been born. Worse than that, God says the penalty for being a sinner is death. That is why we die. Every single human who has ever lived has died except for Elijah. The guy we were talking about, he got taken up into heaven and Enoch. But everybody else, we've died. And we've died because we're sinners. But what's true, death and the second death, is being separated from God forever in hell. And not raising hell with your friends, but in a place of torture and torment with Satan. And even worse... There's nothing you can do to make up for your good works. It's not as though there's a big scale in heaven. And God puts all your good works on one side and all your bad works on the other. And you hope the good works weigh down the bad works. And if they do, you're in. No, it doesn't work that way. Because remember, even if you have a lot of good works, you're still not perfect. And that's the bar that's set for heaven. So if we're all sinners and we're all going to die and all be separated from God and there's nothing we can do about it, what hope is there for us? Well, that's the good news. It's Jesus. Jesus loves us. And he didn't want us to spend eternity separated from him. He created us to live with him forever. So Jesus did something about it. Because we couldn't. Jesus, who is God, came from heaven to earth. And because he's human, he could die for us. Because he's perfect, he was the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And so when he paid the price... Our sins were paid for. And then he conquered that death that separates us from God. He defeated it when he was resurrected. And he told us that he was the one and only way to the Father and to heaven. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't go through another religion. You can't go through another person. You can't go through being a good person. You can't do it. There's only one way because there was only one God-man, and that was Jesus, the Savior. And so Jesus died, paid for our sins, and conquered death, and he offers to us a gift, a gift of eternal life with him in heaven. In place of our sin is his righteousness. In place of the death we deserve is eternal life. It's there, but... Like any gift, you have to receive it. If I held out a $100 bill here right now, if I had enough $100 bills for everybody, if you didn't come up and get it, you wouldn't have it, even though I had enough for everybody. Jesus died for everybody's sin, but not everybody's saved, because not everybody's accepted the gift. And this is how you accept it. You admit that you are a sinner. Some people don't want to admit that. They don't want to admit that they're wrong, that they 
are in need of a Savior. They want to be able to say, I can do it myself. Admit that you are a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for you and paid for your sin, and that he rose again to life. Romans 10.9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in his heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Not maybe saved, hope to be saved, probably saved, could be saved. You will be saved if you believe. When a jailer who asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? He simply said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I use the word trust as well because it's more than just having a head knowledge. You can know the facts, you can know the story, you can know the history. But unless there is a trust, trust, belief, faith, they're all synonyms. They don't mean exactly the same thing, but they're similar words. The idea of believing something is trusting in the one who has said it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. See, it takes faith, it takes trust. And then Paul goes on to say, it is a gift of God, not by works. So that's what salvation is. It's a gift from God, not because of what we've done, but trusting in what God has done. And that is how you receive this gift. Who is Jesus? He is our Savior. What I'm going to do right now is we're going to pray and we're going to sing one last song. The song we're going to sing is an upbeat song, a joyful song about a testimony. When you're, when you're in court, if you ever had to go into court, they want to hear your testimony. They want to hear what you saw. They want to hear what you did. When we are believers in Christ, we have a story to tell of what God has done in our life. And the song will be a testimony, tell us to talk about our testimony, what God has done for us. Well, has he done anything for you? Maybe he hasn't. Maybe he hasn't saved you yet because you haven't accepted the gift. Maybe you feel like he hasn't done anything for you, but he has. He's loved you and died for you. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want to give you an opportunity to accept the gift of salvation. Maybe you have in the past, then you're a brother or sister in Christ. Go and tell other people who don't know Jesus who he is. If you have never accepted the gift, now you can accept the gift of eternal life. God promises if you believe, trust, you will be saved from hell. But more than that, your sins will be forgiven. God himself will live in you and he will give you a life that is full and a life that has purpose and he will make you more and more like Jesus Christ, so therefore you'll become more and more God-like and Christ-like until the day he calls you home to be with him. What a wonderful life to live. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are thankful that you are our Savior. Thankful that you died for us and rose again to life. Father, I pray for every girl, boy, woman, man this morning, Lord, in this place, there's only two categories. Those whom you have saved because they have put their faith in you. We are brothers and sisters together. For us, Lord, I pray that we would be bold 
and telling others about who you are, Jesus. The other category this morning are those, Lord, you have loved and you have died for, but they have not accepted your gift of salvation. I pray for them right now that, Lord, you would speak to them of your love and of what you have done. You would speak to them of the depth of their sin, but also the depth of your love. I pray that you would speak to them about the the horribleness of hell, but the glory of heaven. I pray that you would speak to them about how by simple faith in you and belief, they can be saved. They can leave the sin that enslaved them behind. They can leave uh, the grip of Satan behind. They can leave a past of ugliness behind. They can leave a destiny of hell behind. And in its place, Lord, they can have their sins forgiven, purpose in life, fullness of life, and eternity spent with you. So if any of you are listening to me this morning and you feel like you're in that second category, that you have never accepted the gift, I'm going to say a prayer that you can say in your heart silently to God. My prayer are not magic words. Just don't simply recite them and then you're in. But the only way we can accept a gift is to talk to the one who gave it to us. And so we talk to God in prayer. And maybe you don't know exactly what words to to say. Speak from your heart to the Lord. And if you want to accept this gift, you can pray something similar in your heart to what I am saying to God right now. You can pray like this with me. You can say to God, God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I have done wrong things and that because of that I deserve to die and be separated from hell forever from you. And I know there's nothing I can do to make up for it. But Lord Jesus, I also believe that you died on the cross in my place for my sin and that you conquered death by being raised to life again. And the best I know how right now, Lord, I'm trusting in you by faith. I'm not trusting in myself, my good works, another person or religion, another God. I'm trusting in you and you alone to forgive my sin, to save me, to give me eternal life. If you have said a prayer similar to that, I would love for you to tell me so I can pray for you more. If you didn't say it right now, you don't have to wait You can say it in the car on the way home. You can say it tonight as you talk to God. You can say it tomorrow. You can say it whenever in your life, but don't let a moment slip away. We're not promised the next breath, and tomorrow may be too late. Accept the gift now. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your gift. And Lord, hear this song of joy as a proclamation of how you have changed our lives. And I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.